and those streaming to this morning service and those in the house. Let's remain standing and let's join us as we sing the hymn of the church. Uh, how marvelous, how wonderful is our Savior's love for me. Let's sing together.
tithes and offerings, and then we'll jump right into our meet and greet together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you today, and we glorify your name, and we worship you. Father, we truly know that it is the Savior's love for us that's the reason we have to celebrate today and be in worship together. Father, I pray you would be with the offering and the tithes that are about to be received. I pray that you bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that don't have to give and those that do have. If there's someone here today who cannot give for some reason, we pray, God, that in time you would bless them so they would be able to give back to show their love and devotion to you. Everything that is taken and collected today, let it be for the advancement and the upbuilding of your kingdom. And, Father, every note that is played, song that is sung, scripture that is read, message that is given, let it be for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And for that, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ's holy and precious name we pray. And the people of God together said amen. 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 Will you take this time to bring your tithes and offering and join us this morning. God bless you. such a good looking crowd. I know there's children floating around back here somewhere in the back, but uh, we want to give, tell everyone happy Palm Sunday to uh, everyone here today. Don't forget, if you do have kids, please make sure you sign them out. Just don't send somebody to go get your kid, but please sign them out so that uh, we know you've got your kid. Uh, we don't want someone to take your kid. We also don't want to keep your kid uh, till next Sunday, so we need you to take that. This week, obviously, is Passion Week coming up. We are obviously at Palm Sunday, and we'll be leading up until next Sunday, Easter Sunday. But during this week, not only is it the Passion Week, but there's a lot of stuff happening uh, around our campuses this week. Like, we're having Easter egg extravaganza. 
coming up on Saturday. Um, so we are, have been asking people to bring various and sundry stuff, and if you have brought it, you can bring it today. But we would like, if you are planning on bringing anything, please have it here, or at least let us connect with you before uh, tomorrow evening, because we need to know from Tuesday forward where we need to go shopping. We need to know if we need to go to BJ's or to Sam's or where we need to go. So if we don't have it here by Monday, we're going to assume you may not be bringing anything, and then we're going to go buy all the stuff. And then we're going to have a bunch of stuff left over on that. But we still need workers. We still need people to help with that. There's a sign-up sheet and a connection center. You can, can volunteer to help out anywhere. Then on the Sunday morning, for all you early birders, we're having sunrise service at the Tail Race Canal. I know none of my young people will be there because y'all don't wake up before 10. But we're having sunrise service for those of you who like to see the birds in the morning. We're having sunrise service at the Tail Race Canal uh, loading, uh, boating dock there. Uh, we'll have a time of worship and uh, uh, joint fellowship. We have some other churches in the area that are going to join with us, and we're all going to kind of just hang out there together and just do sunrise together uh, as well. If you're planning on coming to sunrise service and you'd like breakfast, we have a sign-up sheet at the Connection Center as well. You can have breakfast on me, meaning I need to know what you want. There's a, a sign-up sheet for biscuits and uh, different styles of biscuits, sausage, egg, and cheese, bacon, egg, and cheese, you don't sign that up, you're going to get donuts and coffee is all you're going to get because that's all I provide outside of the biscuits. So sign up and let us know if you want a biscuit. And then obviously if you don't wake up early, then be here by 11 and uh, we'll celebrate Easter together uh, and the resurrection of our Lord. Remember next Sunday we have a very special part of the service. We're going to let you bring your needs to the cross and we're going to let you present them and basically nail them to the cross next Sunday morning yourself. And you're going to have part of the altar call. You'll bring your request to the Lord. Now, some folks have been asking me about uh, something that I get really excited about called baptism. They've been wanting to know when we're going to have baptism. Well, you're in luck. We're going to do that the next Sunday because the weather has changed. I was going to do it in March, but we decided to still live in the winter in March and have 40 degree Sundays, and I'm not getting in the water. I, you can, and I'll just pray for you, but I'm not getting pneumonia or hypothermia for you like that. So, now that the weather is changing, right after Sunday service, we'll, we'll have our Sunday morning service at 11. We'll have our regular service, and at the end, the culmination of that day, we will have baptism. So please, if you're going to be baptized, please bring a change of clothes. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet in the Connection Center as well. I would like for you to sign up if you're wanting to get baptized so I can... Uh, we always like to give you a shirt that just basically talks about your baptism, a t-shirt to give to you. But I also need to know how many to prepare for it. Now, if you show up on the 16th and you decide in the middle of a sermon at 1130 you want to get baptized, we will baptize you as well. We, it's not, but we'd just like to know to be ahead of, prepared ahead of time. But that's going to be on April 16th. We are so excited for those of you that have expressed interest in that. For all my senior adults, senior saints, we are having Pillars Ministry meeting again. Uh, this time it will be here at the church on April the 22nd. We have people that are volunteering to cook breakfast and help cook breakfast for you. So you don't have to worry about buying breakfast. You just get to eat breakfast for free. So we'll have that with you. Also, we need you to start thinking, those of you that are over 50, if you want to go to the senior adult retreat in May, we need you to go ahead and start thinking about it, signing up in the Connection Center. Some of you already have, but we need to know so we can start preparing hotels and accommodations and things like that. For all our online guests, you can always subscribe to our services on Apple or Google Podcast. You can always watch them online. You can always find out everything I just told you at uh, SanteeCircleCOG.org. Uh, you can find it on our church app and just search Santee Circle Church of God. For all our guests, we want to tell you thank you for visiting with us today. We hope you feel right at home and we'll come again soon. 
If you need anything, please let one of our hospitality members know. You see the fine gentlemen standing in the back. They have badges. Miss Ann's here. Miss Nina's here. Miss Patricia, there's various ones here. They'll help you find what you need. And really, anybody here that's been here longer than two weeks, you ask them. They'll help you find out. Now, before we uh, go have Brother Randy come lead us in scripture and prayer, let me say to you this morning, there's a uh, few folks that I do want to uh, recognize. Um, Brother Larry had to be out of town uh, today, uh, kind of an emergent call. He was here on Wednesday night for rehearsal, but, but by Thursday afternoon and Friday, Big Boss up the chain of command said, sorry, Charlie, but you got to go. And uh, he got shipped off to North Carolina, and so we went into scramble mode. And uh, I've asked my brother-in-law for like, I don't know, 16 years of existence to play the drums all the time. And he always had some real good excuse why he couldn't. Well, he didn't have a good one this weekend, so I recruited him. And so uh, Brennan is helping us out this morning to cover for Brother Larry. He's doing a great job. And, uh, and some of you guys, uh, uh, Shane and Laura, so good to see you guys back again. Brother Jeff, I saw walk in in the back. Brother Jeff, good to see you. Ashley and David, good to see you. Some of you, Carrie Ann, I'm glad you made it this morning. We're so glad to have you here, but I want us to remember today is about celebrating. We're celebrating that Jesus is still the risen Lord, even though we're not there yet in terms of the calendar, but he still is alive and well. And so we're going to have Brother Randy lead in scripture prayer, and then Brother Jimmy is going to come and lead us in a song to remind us of what Calvary meant for each one of us. God bless you today. They tell me I start talking and I just start going. So I will try not to do that. <clears throat> From Psalms. O Lord our God, how... Psalms 8, I'm sorry. O Lord our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the works of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him. Isn't it good that the Lord comes and be, is with us? I started to say be with us. No, he's with us. And he considers us and he thinks about us. You know, part of the lesson today for James was the fact that you pray and you pray fervently and the Lord will answer your prayers. Now, we have a right hand of the Father. The Son is sitting there and we're going to talk about him dying for us next week and him rising and sending a comforter down to us but the Lord is great in the fact that he thought about all this stuff and had it all going together for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor thou hast made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands thou hast put all things under his feet he's talking about us all sheep and oxen yea and the beasts of the field the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever path through the pass of the sea O Lord our O Lord our Lord how excellent is thy name in all the earth. He is so good to us. You cannot outgive God. In this season, it's Palm Sunday and this Easter season, we need to remember that he had a plan. He executed that plan. His son came down and sacrificed himself for us. And that means for me, for you. Take it personal because it is personal. It is for you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, for the wonderful things you have done for us, we thank you for watching out, keeping us, leading us, and guiding us, Lord, we thank you. Lord, for the healing touch that you've given to so many, we thank you. And for the healing touch you are going to give to others, we thank you. Lord, we trust in you, we lift you up, we praise your holy name, Lord. Pray that you'll be with our pastor today as he delivers the message, that you will 
let that sink into our hearts and use it this coming week for thy glory. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen.
Father, when we come to Jesus, he is our solid rock, he's our cornerstone, and he is the solid ground. And we're going to declare today that he is truly on Christ, the solid rock that we stand. So let's worship together.
house, will you just simply let's sing this together? You are holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And with all creation I sing, all creation I sing, praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. presence today for this reason to adore you God you can say more in five minutes than any pastor or preacher could say in a lifetime of words we are here on Palm Sunday God to honor the passion week of what you accomplished on Calvary's cross as the story begins with the triumphal entry but Lord we know the end of the story is you don't stay dead and you're not going to stay gone you're coming again and so, God, we adore you. We, like the angels of heaven, are crying out to you today. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We decree and declare, God, when you return, we're waiting for your arrival. We long to see your face again. We love you, Lord. And so, Lord, we ask today that your spirit that we feel so already in this place would just permeate the hearts and just fill the room and let the atmosphere just be saturated by your glory and your presence and even as we break the bread of life let the spirit of God just be hovering and moving over the waters of our lives and let us be able to know we're in the presence of almighty God we worship you Lord we glorify you Lord we magnify you Lord for you are great and greatly to be praised there is no one like our God for you truly are holy Lord, we know the greatest praise anyone can give you, and it's the same in every language, is a hallelujah. So, Lord, we, we worship you. We decree and declare hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the one who is to come. We love you and adore you, Lord. God, as we get ready to break the bread of life here momentarily, let your word be heard, not from a mere mortal man, but, Lord, it would be heard from the altars and the heavenly realms. Lord, I pray you would take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint this lips of clay. Help me to preach your word, not because I'm anything special, but because you're great and greatly to be praised. And Father, let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers of it there likewise. For that, we commit this into the loving arms of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our blessed Redeemer and Savior, and the people of God together said amen. 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 While you remain standing briefly, if you'll grab your Bibles and go to the book of Luke, chapter number 19, to all of the band and singers, thank you so much for your help. Can we just give the praise team and band a hand of appreciation this morning they have led us into the throne room of God they have they have by far ushered in his presence now I know that I know that we don't truly quote uh, can control the presence of God but we can set the atmosphere for God's presence to arrive and I think the band and the worship team today has done such an incredible job of leading us into a throne room encounter that if you don't feel God in this place we need to pray with you for today's over with because he's here today. He is in this house today. Luke chapter number 19. We're going to start reading at verse 28. 
we're going to drop down into, I think, verse 40. But we're going to read this together. And this is Jesus talking. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass that when he drew near to the city of Bethpage at Bethany at the mount which is called the Olivet, that he sent two, don't misread the Bible, two of his disciples saying, Go into a village opposite of you where you will enter and you will find a colt tied. Loose it, no one has ever ridden on it, loose it and bring it to me. And if anyone asks you why are you untying it, you say this to them, because the Lord needs it. Can I tell you, God's still looking for people that are willing to be used by Him. He still needs them. And so those who were sent went their way, and they found it just as He had said. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said, Wait, what are you doing? Why are you loosening my colt? They said to Him, because the Lord needs Him. Now, I wish that the, the church of the living God, I'm not talking about our local church, I'm talking about universal. I wish we were like the owner of the colt. Look at what he does when he hears that the Lord needs him. He doesn't even bark orders. He doesn't argue. He just sends him on his way. And when they brought it to Jesus, they threw on their, coat, their clothes on the colt and they uh, set Jesus upon him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the roadway. Then as he was drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice, praising God with a loud voice and mighty works they had seen. And they cried, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him in front of the crowd, Teacher, you should tell those to remain silent. Tell them to stop praising. Can I tell you that the people that want you to stop praising is the one who don't want God to move. Hello, church. So if you if you if somebody tells you you're praising too much, if somebody says you're embarrassing them too much by lifting your hands or clapping your hands or worshiping, if they tell you that, you tell them to get out the way because they're just hindering what God wants to do. Tell them to put up or shut up, but they need to decide what they want to do. And Jesus said, but he said unto them, I tell you that if they do not cry out to me, they will be silent but the rocks, the stones. I'm not going to let a rock cry out in my place today. Uh, God's been too good to me. He's brought me too far to let some asphalt and gravel roads cry out to God. I'm going to praise God all by myself whether anybody else wants to or not. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will cry out unto God today. Now, you know that we have been on a series together. We have been talking about this idea of being nailed, the, the series nailed. Last week we talked about Yael and her, her attempts to deliver the people of God. You say, well, Pastor, the story you read had nothing to do with being nailed. No, but if you look up the word nailed and you look up what nails do, they do something called fastening. They fasten something together. So today we are going to talk about fastened together because when you and God get hitched up together you're going to go places you've never been before because two oxen can take a whole lot more of a load than one ox can but when you put two side by side when the one starts to veer off when the older ox tries to keep pulling he realizes hey we're working against each other but when the two start going together they're able to pull a heavier load can I tell you when we as the church of the living God get in an alignment with the spirit of God and we let God drive the cart while we just pull on and we just plow the ground we'll accomplish a whole lot more for the kingdom of God as much as we are attached to Jesus We'll attach together. Father, to the best of my ability, help me to preach your word today. I already feel you in this house today. But let me not be seen, but you be heard. 
And for that, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated, but do not stop worshiping. Do not stop worshiping. Turn to your neighbor and say, just because the preacher's preaching, turn to your neighbor, just because the preacher's preaching doesn't mean you have to be quiet. Tell you that, look to your other neighbor and say, if you're quiet, he preaches longer. Depends on how long y'all was. Depends on how fast you want to go to lunch today. The more you talk, the less I preach. As we enter into this season of what we call the Passion Week, many will start their journey and beginning with today called Palm Sunday. The climax of Easter, as we know, will be revealed and unpacked and unfurled next weekend, and we call that Resurrection Sunday. But this Sunday is a critical piece of the narrative of what we know as the Easter week. Now, you have different people debate. Jesus probably more than likely did not ride in on the donkey on Sunday morning. Uh, in fact, uh, most, most timelines put Jesus dying somewhere between Wednesday and Thursday to follow along the trajectory of him being able to, by Saturday and Sunday, be accomplished three days and three nights. But, but however you de debate and decide, I, I, I told somebody just the other week, I don't really care if you say it was a Friday, Saturday, and an early Sunday morning, or a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday. All I know is he ain't there and he's coming back. That's all I care. I don't care what date you put on the calendar. And I don't care if he comes back on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I just want him to come back and make sure I go when he goes, no matter what day it is. Hello? And so we have talked about this and we know this, and today's scripture that we read is the small background of the beginning of this Passover week. Jesus reveals to his disciples in a nearby city of Bethpage that there was a colt that had never been ridden, but it was its time to shine. Can I tell you, God knows that there are people with untapped potential that have never been used by God before, and he knows where they are. There are people, I was just talking to our leadership team yesterday. I think I love the Titus 2, and I love the Timothy epistles, where it talks about the older men and the younger, well, older men and older women teaching the younger men and women. That's great, but you know, someday there's going to be a different Mary and James that's going to teach the Sunday school class. There's going to be a different version of Randy Erchberger teaching the young adults class. In fact, if I live long enough, there'll be a younger version of the preacher standing beside this pulpit that we may not even know who they are yet. They might just be tethered to a gate somewhere spiritually. But I'm telling you, there might be somebody sitting in here that's the next Billy Graham. They might be the next song director. They might be the next worship leader. But I'm telling you that Jesus knows what they have inside of them. And Jesus will go find you even when nobody else knows where you are. He knows exactly where you are. And he'll come get you where you are. He goes, he tells him to go to Bethpage. Bethpage was the place known as the unripened figs or the unripened fruits. In fact, later you'll read that Jesus goes back through that same area and he looks at the fig tree and the fig tree doesn't have fruits and he basically tells the fig tree to shrivel up and die because it wasn't producing and it did. But there's a couple interesting things. Now you know that that's really, now Miss Carol always makes sure that I spell words correctly. I did not misspell the word together. I do know there is no W in together. It's just a T and an O. And those two go with together to make together. But I, don't, I didn't, did this on purpose because I want to talk a little bit, a few minutes, uh, throughout the trajectory of this message about a couple things that are centered on the idea of two. In fact, the city of Bethpage actually comes to an intersection, which means it's the intersection of two roads that come together at a point. Two roads. At this intersection, Jesus told Two disciples, we read it, two disciples, two disciples to go 
to a road that intersected at two points. But if you read Matthew's account of this story, the colt was not the only person that got to the party. We read Luke's account, but Matthew said Jesus not only got the colt, but said bring the mama with him. Go back and read in Matthew's. It says there you'll find a donkey and the foal of the donkey. Bring them both to me. That means Jesus rode on one, but there was another one at the party too. And so there's two, if you will, colts or donkeys. Now place yourself for a moment in the owner's shoes. Let's assume that you have heard of the story of Jesus. Maybe you have went to some of his crusades. Maybe you were fed at the miracle of the 5,000 or the feeding of the 4,000. Maybe you were at Lazarus' tomb and at home-going celebration when Jesus resurrected him. But yet you look out the window and you see that there are these two men just untying your mode of transport. It would be like somebody coming to your house and deciding to pick up your car and drive it out your driveway and you not know they're coming. We call those people kids. But some of them don't belong to you. There are other people's kids that come to your house and start taking your stuff. But the reality of it is, think about it. What would his feelings have been? What, what, what about the colt? Maybe he thought, you don't want to take that one. That one hasn't been broken in yet. That colt's never been ridden. You don't understand. That one, that one doesn't know the, how, the, how that operates. You see, that colt, you, you know, the owner might have wanted to tell the disciples, you know, that one hasn't already been conditioned. and He doesn't know how the operation works. You know, sometimes God doesn't need people who already know how the operation works because the people that know how the operation works sometimes will try to do the operation without him. So sometimes God wants people who are raw so that he can fashion them and what he wants. He doesn't always need 16th generation Church of God people because they feel like they're going to heaven, glory to God, blessed be the name of the Lord before they even met Jesus. Just because they had Church of God behind their name. Hello, preacher. I'm preaching about us. I ain't even talking about other folks. I left all the other denominations out this morning. The reality is some people have so much head knowledge they forgot what the heart's all about. God, does, God sometimes is not looking for the people who already know it all. He's finding somebody who wants to know it all through him and wants to see it all through him and wants to experience it all by him. And so he sees them and they untie it and he finally relents and he gives Jesus what he has need of. That set up what we call the triumphal entry. Uh, this idea, if you will, of a praise parade. Literally, it was a parade through the city of Jerusalem that was no more than everybody just praising Jesus. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. And they're, they're worshiping him. It was prophesied by the prophets of old. It was prophesied that Jesus would come and, and it would say, O daughters of Jerusalem, lift up your heads because your king is coming and behold, he is riding on the fault, the coal of a donkey. And, 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 and the prophets prophesied he'd come and this would happen. It's in the Bible. It was prophesied long beforehand. But I want to tell you this morning, how do you get fashioned together? How do you and God get on the same page? Well, the first thing you've got to understand is you just got to be available. It's not hard. The donkey wasn't doing anything. It was just standing at its post. Think about it for a minute. They didn't leave the donkey untethered. They would just take the cord and they tether it around a post. The donkey was just standing. Jesus said, untie the donkey, which lets us know it was tied up to the post. The donkey wasn't going anywhere. It just was there. Sometimes God doesn't need you to do anything else but just be there. He doesn't need you to be smart. He doesn't need you to have a Ph.D. He doesn't need you to have a degree in theology. He just needs when he comes by to find you there. He just needs to find you there. 
That's why church, now I'm not here to debate, you know, how many times a week people come to church, whatever. But that's why joining together in church services is so important. Sometimes God comes by on Sunday mornings because he wants to meet us there. He wants to meet us there. Now, what's interesting to me is horses and donkeys are strong animals. But they don't tie that tether very tight. They just, hard, they just try to throw it over the thing real loose. That colt, that donkey could easily just probably take one real hard jerk like that, and that whole strap would have come off because it's not tethered. But because they're not smart enough, Brother Shane, to realize when they're tethered, they, they think they're tied down so they don't go anywhere. Even though it's barely attached, they can't get past what they're attached to. There are too many people. God is wanting to use them. That's why the word available means ready for use. God wants to use them, but they can't let go of what's holding them back. They can't realize that God says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the end. They are so held back on the things that used to be that even though God could break the yoke and the bond of that thing which so easily is holding them back, they can't let go of what's holding them back. They're tied down by the simplest of things. It's kind of an odd request that Jesus asked for a colt that's never been ridden. It is interesting he brings the, the disciples to a crossroads, meaning when you talk about the word a crossroads or intersection, it, it symbolizes a place of decision. Do I turn left or do I turn right? I'm at the intersection. I have to decide which way I'm going. Can I tell you that when you come on Easter Sunday next Sunday morning, you're going to come to a crossroads. you got to decide if you're going up you got to decide if you're going down, but you're going to, every one of us in this building is going to come to a crossroads. You're going to come to a place of an intersection. You are going to come to a place where you have to make a decision with Jesus. You can be like the crowd that Christ crucified him, or you can be like the crowd saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But you're going to have to decide which side you're on at the crossroads. You have to decide. He takes the colt and the donkey. Jesus talks about this decision and there are two colts, two posts. Each one of us in this house, we are all tethered to two posts. Every one of us has a past, and every one of us has a future. For I have plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. God has a plan. But the Bible also talks about forgetting those things which are behind. I press on toward the mark, which means I also have a past, but i got to keep pressing on. We all come to a place where we have to face the two posts of life, our past, and our future. And sometimes people are still tethered to the post of the past, not really realizing the master is trying to untether us so that he can take us to somewhere in the future. And the reality of it is, we have to make that same decision. God wants to raise up people that will untie and untether and release those who are being held back from their potential use for God. Your availability to God is directly linked to the attainability of your destiny with him. You're not going to receive your greatest reward. You're not going to reach your max potential. You're not going to be utilized to the greatest facet of capacity by God if you don't make yourself available to be used by God. You just can't. Philippians 2 and 13, for God who works in you, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. 1 Peter 4 and 10 as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. God wants us to be used by Him. I, When we go shopping sometimes, Brian and I go shopping, she'll buy these clothes, things like that, and we'll get them and we'll go home. And sometimes we lose the receipts. I know none of you have ever done this. She loses the receipts. She tries it on six months later after we bought it because she hadn't tried it on. 
and realizes it didn't work, so we need to take it back. She's like, hey, do you know where the bill's receipt is or where the you know, belt receipt is? And I said, I didn't have it last year. Well, I don't have it. And by the time we all decide who really has it, we none have it. So we take it back to the store, and they don't give me money back. You know what they'll say? We'll give you either store credit or we will exchange it for the right size. I don't get the money back, but I can exchange it. So you have to understand, not only do you have to be, fat, uh, be available to God, but you've got to realize you've got to exchange some things. You've got to trade your filthiness for His righteousness. You've got to trade your habits and hang-ups for His holiness. You've got to trade. You've got to change. Something. You've got to be willing to come to that crossroads of decision and say, I'll give my burden to the Lord and I'll leave it there. For I'll take His yoke upon me before His yoke is easy and His burden is light. In order to be used by max potential for God, you've got to be willing to give up some things in exchange for the things He has for you. You've got to empty yourself out so that He can come in. You have to be exchangeable. Notice how Jesus, according to Matthew's account, Ask for the mother donkey. Now remember, the colt has never been ridden. All this colt has ever known is mama. It was a mama's boy. That's all it's known. It didn't know anything. It's never been broken in. It's never been ridden upon. Nobody has ever tried to put a bridle on it. Nobody's ever tried to saddle it. None of the above. Only thing it's ever known is to stay close to its mama. That's all it's known. So why would Jesus ask for an old mare who hung out with a young stallion? Why would God want an old mare with a young stallion? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus was teaching a lesson. See, the old, if you will, the old mare was representing of the law. None of us could have could obtain Galatians and James. They all talk about, but none of us could have measured up to the law, Mosaic law. We couldn't fill the law. The law was too fast. Too, none of us could measure up to the law. It would crucify us by the letter of the law. But the young stallion, the young stud, represented a new order called grace and mercy. Jesus was trying to paint a picture that the old mayor, the law, had already been ridden out by his life. But now he's ushering in a new covenant called grace and mercy. We don't have to live riding the old gray mare. She ain't what she used to be. We can ride on the wings of grace and mercy because that Jesus fulfilled the law. And all I've got to do is come to Jesus because he already took care of the law. He changed it out. He exchanged it. He, cha- he switched it. He rode that covenant, that new covenant, all the way to Calvary. He exchanged the old for the new. He exchanged the wrong for the right. He exchanged the left for the right. He exchanged the crooked for the straight. He exchanged the pain for healing. He exchanged the lost. But can I tell you, we have the hope that we can exchange sin for salvation. We can exchange hurts for His healing. We can exchange talents for His use. We can change our habits and our hang-ups for His holiness. God wants to exchange what we can't do because greater is He that is in me than he that's in the world. For I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. He wants to give me what He has in exchange with me not having anything worth offering Him. I mean, what a great exchange. Jesus wants all my junk, and he's going to give me his best. That's a great trade. It's like going to the flea market. Y'all know everybody goes there goes to the flea market. They're looking for somebody else's junk to become their treasure. That's, that's what flea market's all about. You go to these little pop-up stands. You know that somebody else's great-grandmama's antique 
Ninja Turtle lamp, but you know, you know what? I like Ninja Turtles, so you go buy little Johnny's 1947 custom-made Ninja Turtle lamp for two dollars at the yard sale bin, and you know, good and well. And about six months from now, you're gonna think, why in the world did I waste my money on that? Because what happens is, one man's trash is another man's treasure, isn't it? it? I wish that every time I had something I didn't want, somebody gave me top dollar for what I paid for it originally. That would be awesome. I wish that when I bought my car and paid, let's just say I paid, I don't remember what it was, let's say I paid $15,000 and I've driven it and I'm almost getting ready to hit that proverbial mile marker in that heavenly realm of 300,000 miles on those wheels. I, I hope that when I decide, you know what, I don't want to drive this more, somebody comes and says, I'll give you $15,000 for a 300,000 mile car. I would say, sold. Today. I walk. I'll buy a donkey. I'm riding a, I'm riding a donkey that's never been ridden before. I'm, I'm finding me a colt. We call it a Ford Bronco. Never been ridden in one before. Been riding that. I can't get it for 15000 but I can at least buy a tire. But the point to be made is nobody does that. But Jesus does. Jesus says, give me everything that's your leftovers. I mean, yes, I want your heart. Yes, I want you. I, but the best of me is as filthy rags to him. It's not even worth keeping. But the old song says, but he thought I was worth saving. He thought I was worth, worth to die for. He sacrificed his life for mine that I could be free. I mean, Jesus exchanged. He's willing to let me give him all of my nothing to give me something I couldn't have afforded. That's a pretty good exchange rate. That's pretty good. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not even talking about money. I'm talking about just give God the best you can offer him because he's going to give you a way better return when you do. Brother Randy said it this morning when he read the scripture. You cannot outgive God. It doesn't matter what you give him. It ain't gonna, your, God's not ever going to be leave you let. God's never going to leave you with a short hand or leave you holding the stick or a bag full of money, uh, sand in it. He will not do it. You can't do it. I've seen people give God fractions of things and God exponentially gives them more than they even thought about giving him. I've seen people give away sump pumps and get thousands of dollars worth of dirt. I've seen people give the last dollar to their name and have somebody send them a thousand dollars in the mail. I've seen God do things you can't imagine. But that's because that's how God works. That's how he works. Not only do you have to be available, not only do you have to be exchangeable, but sometimes you've got to be recognizable. Sometimes you've got to stand out. You say, what am I supposed to do? Pastor Wave a big banner over, come to church and just start swinging flags everywhere so Jesus knows I'm a, I'm a, you know, landing a pilot jet. No, I'm not asking you to come in here and bring flags and try to land Jesus from heaven like you're working for the, F the FAA and trying to land that plane. I'm not talking about that. But back in the old days, we actually did do that. We had little white handkerchiefs. Now I'm going to go old school on y'all for a while. Some of y'all going to be like, oh God, what is he doing? Back in the day when church got real good and going, we'd start talking about something called a wave offering. Now, half y'all here probably thought, what is he talking about? But in the book of Leviticus and in the book of Laws, they were talking about they'd come and they would bring their offering before the Lord, Brother Brett, and they'd get to the, to the priest, and the priest would take the sacrifice, and he would wave it before the Lord. What he was doing was letting that piece of seared meat create an aroma. I don't know how many of you have ever been driving, but when you're really hungry, everything smells good. Even Burger King smells good when you're hungry. You just drive by and you just smell that char-grilled, flame-broiled Whopper and you just think, that must be what the marriage supper of the Lamb smells like when I get to heaven. And you pull in, even though you hate Burger King, it just smells good because you're hungry. 
the smell, the aroma. That's why they leave those big stacks off the top of it. That's why they leave them open. They want the aroma. They want you to drive down 52 and decide you need a Whopper. You might be a Whopper, but they want you to eat a Whopper. Hello, preacher. That's why they call them Whoppers. They make a Whopper out of me and you. But the reality of it is, we, they would do it. And what they would do, they waved that meat. It created a aroma. Called it the aroma of worship. It became a distinct smell. Reality of it is this. Now, I'm not saying we necessarily, not asking anybody to grab their hankies out today, but I'm telling you what, back in the old days, there was something that would happen in the middle of a church service. When little Sally or Sister Janie or Sister Susie or Sister Bobby Joe or, or Sister whoever, by halfway through service, just started feeling something, and she'd grab out her little snot rag that you know she'd been blowing in, but all of a sudden, she didn't care what, she just started. She wasn't landing a 747 Boeing jet. She was waving an offering. What she's really saying is, I'm waiting for the spirit to see the aroma. I'm waiting for him to hear the sound of the wind. I'm waiting for him to hear the smell of my praise. And the more I wave it, the more I'm waiting for him. And about halfway through her wave, somebody else would start waving. Fourth of you got little white flags flying everywhere in total surrender. And all of a sudden, somebody would break. The flag would go flying. She'd go shooting bobby pins. She'd go start running. Everything would start changing. Why? Because the God recognized the aroma. He saw the praise. Sometimes you got to stand out. Sometimes the Bible said, come out from around the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You can't live like the world, dress like the world, smoke like the world, drink like the world, act like the world, cuss like the world, and expect the world to know who Jesus is. You got to stand out. You got to be sanctified. You got to be glorified. And you need to just tell Jesus, Jesus, I'm down here and I'm over here. Why don't you just come in this place? Here I am, Lord, ready for you. Here I am. Make it recognizable. Jesus recognizes worship. It's distinct. We give him our talents and our time our resources. Look at this. There are two. When Jesus arrives on the donkey, he comes to the city where he's faced with not only two disciples that got two donkeys at a crossroads with two roads, but he finds two generations in Jerusalem. He finds an older generation and a newer generation. The older generation were called the religious sect of Pharisees and Sadducees. They're standing there nipping at the heels of Jesus, trying to get him to be crucified by saying, why don't you tell those people they don't know spiritual order, they don't know when the right time to say amen, they don't, pastor, you're trying to preach that sister so-and-so does not need to say amen when you're talking because that is disrespectful in the house of the Lord. Well, let me tell you, if sister so-and-so wants to say amen right in the middle of my message or she decides she wants to shout or by God, if she wants to run in the middle of my message, I'll stop what I got to say because he'll say more in five minutes than I'll say in an entire lifetime. It has nothing to do with what I have to say. It has to do with what he has to say. And while the religious elites will tell you, don't say anything, don't worship, don't sing, don't lift your hands, don't worship the Lord. Lord, the Bible says the rocks will cry out and I'm sorry you've come a, long, a day late and a dollar short there's no rock going to cry out in my place while the religious elite say over here well I don't know this is not how I'm used to church this is not how I go to church this is just not my style of church I don't know I'm telling you sorry we are Pentecostal we make no bones about it I'm going to get my palm branch of praise and say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord he is great and greatly to be praised I'm going to worship him I'm going to praise him. I'm going to make it recognizable. You see, there was also garments. They would take their clothes. Some of them took their clothes off and they threw it over the donkey. 
And the other ones, they didn't get the opportunity to put it on the donkey, so they just threw it in the middle of the road. Now, I have some pretty expensive suits. It'd have to be God for me to throw it in the road. It would be. You see my jacket go in the middle of the road, I'm dead or something went wrong. It better have been God for me to throw that jacket down. But garments were recognizable. They were attachments because they were a mode of identifiers in that day. In fact, we do that today. Nurses wear a certain outfit so you can identify they're a nurse. They wear blue. They wear blue. Doctors have white coats. Police officers have a uniform. Firemen have uniform. They are distinct and recognizable by their uniform. You don't have to walk up to a police officer. Are you a police officer? When they got a badge plastered on the chest. It's recognizable. In that day, they would give garments to beggars so that the people in town would recognize they're wearing a garment of a beggar. And so that when they would pass by, they could avoid the beggars because they could recognize them at a distance that, oh, that's a beggar coming towards me. Wouldn't you like people to have that when they go to Walmart? You know they're coming to ask you for money. It's like they wore a certain outfit and you knew they're looking for money. It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Even Girl Scouts wear uniforms. Everybody has an identifier. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, the Bible said, During the Ark of the Covenant returned to Jerusalem, David took off a coat of recognition. It was called his royal garment, his priestly garment, if you will, the king's robe. And the Bible said he danced before the Lord and he became undignified and he shouted out of his robe. No, he wasn't naked running around in the street. He took off his robe of authority to say there is one here in whose presence that is greater than I. I'm standing in the presence of the king and now I have to become undone. I'm the pauper because the real king is in the house. It would do us good sometimes to show up on Sunday morning and take off our coats of pride, our coats of we're upper echelon, our coats of bless God, I'm church of God, and glory to the land. It would be sometimes it would be good if we just took off all our robes of righteousness that we've created and come undone before the Lord and just say, I'm in the presence of someone greater than I, and I'm here to just worship the King in whose presence I am in grace with today. Michael got mad. She gets angry, not because David worshiped. Because she was embarrassed by him losing his authority. She, she didn't care. She, didn't, she was mad at, at the way he worshipped. If David would have went out there and just said, Michael would have said nothing. But she said, you have made a fool of me. Let me tell you something. I'm like David. I'll become even more undignified than this, even if some may say it's foolish. I'm not here to impress you, and I don't care if it embarrasses you. He's been too good for me to really care what you have to think about how I praise the Lord. David said, I don't care what you say. I'm going to praise him because I know what he's done for me. We were given robes. Beggars were given coats. We were given garments of praise for spirits of heaviness. We were able to exchange filthy rags, Isaiah said, for robes of righteousness. Thanks to Jesus Christ, we don't have to live in the status that we once were. Now look at this. People will follow you if you have a title. They will love you as long as you have a status. They'll tag along with you as long as you're prestigious. But when you put on the garment of praise and you lose your status and title and prestige, they will often fall away and criticize you at that point in time. But there's another thing about it that it's immeasurable. It's infinite. Jesus is being cried out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The generations are praising, they're worshiping. But they grab palm tree branches, not any other branch. 
There were sycamore trees. There were other trees. Why couldn't they use those? Well, they could have. But they grabbed a tree that, according to Jewish teachings, symbolized peace. The peace of God, the shalom. It also described the depths of their love and devotion because a palm tree has an intricate ecosystem and a root system that the roots run as deep as it does tall. And a palm tree rarely ever breaks. It can bend where the top of the tree touches the bottom of the earth. But once the storm is lifted, if you just put a little pressure on it, it'll bend itself right back up and never snap under pressure. They were basically saying we have come too far to snap or to break because we may bend. But we're not going to break. Oh, how the church of the living God needs to have that message again in their, in their hearing. We are the church of the living God. We may have obstacles. We may have trials. We may bend. But we're not going to break. We're going to go through with Jesus to the end. Describe the depths of his love. Praise was not for his affirmation, but it was for my confirmation of who he was. And the final thing, as Carol, as you come, is you have to be renewable. You have to be willing for God to restore you what he wants you to be. Because the Bible said we were all men, we were all sinners, and we have fallen short of the glory of God. But the original institution, Adam and Eve were blameless until they sinned. And then they caused the downfall of humanity. Restoration literally means restoring back to order. When I get saved, what I'm trying to do is tell Jesus, I don't want to be held by my sin. I want to be reconciled back to him. And so these, he made it renewable. Jesus dismounts from the cult. The older generation, the newer generation. But you notice that the older cult is still there too. I said Matthew tells you that. But the older cult is never rode. We talked about that was the law. It was never rode. But the newer cult wasn't going to go peaceably until it knew mama was going with it because there was some kind of security with that unwritten cult. And they would put mama cult in the front, even though Jesus was on the unwritten cult. But the baby cult didn't feel so bad because it knew up ahead mama was still there. It felt safe. It felt safe. The law will not save you. Grace and mercy will find you and save you. But you can't experience grace and mercy until you first know what the law says you did wrong. They go together. You can't. Jesus didn't say, I come to abolish the law. He said, I come to fulfill the law. They go together. They are fastened together. Jesus goes into the temple. He sees them having a Middle Eastern carnival and bazaar and selling things in the temple. You know the story. He throws the money changers out. He has cages of doves. I've preached on that before, unopened, uh, you know, opened up. Here's what I want you to hear today. Just as there were two crossroads, two disciples, two donkeys, two generations of people having to come face to face with Jesus, we too must come to those same places. We'll come to two crossroads, our past and our present and our future. We'll come to uh, that generational, where do, I, where do I fit? Will I be the praiser or will I be the one that is complaining? We'll come to those crossroads. Before we can decide our past and our future, we must be willing to allow the next generations that follow us to come walk alongside of us 
because there'll never be a Randy Erchberger or there'll never be another Brother Marion or there'll never be another Sister Tina Kirkland who can pray if they don't teach the Madisons and Rileys how to do it. It'll, it'll lose. It'll fall off. When they would take ox and they would put them together to pull a cart, they didn't put two young studs together because both of them wanted to try to prove who was stronger. They would put an older ox that had plowed before and a younger ox because if you put two oxen that had never plowed before, they'd try to fight against each other and they would create uneven roads. So they put an older ox and a younger ox together because when the younger ox would try to pull, the older ox would be still pulling ahead and the younger ox would figure out that's not right and it would get back in line. And what it was doing is the older ox, by default, by not saying anything but just keep plowing, was training the younger ox. I've been here before. I know how this goes. Just follow along teenagers, our children's ministries, our young adult ministries, they're not going to know how to be prayer warriors unless a prayer warrior hitches themselves up against them. Remember what I just said, the title of this message, Fasten Together. I'm not going to, I, I love senior adults, do not get me wrong, but if I have two senior adults driving the cart, eventually they're going to tire out and they'll die. And then the cart's not plowing anymore. What I need, what this church needs, what the body of Christ needs is we don't need two 90-year-old people plowing the cart teaching youth ministry every week. Or two older adults plowing the cart of teaching Sunday school every week. What we need is for somebody to know how to teach Sunday school. So what they need to do is they need to tether themselves. I've never taught Sunday school before, but he has. So I'm going to plow with this guy for a while. Because he's been there. He's walked roads I've never walked before. He's seen things I've never seen before. And so I may try to fear, but he's going to bring me back in line. No, son, that's not a good idea. But Brother Randy, I want to know, son, that's not a good idea. He's going to keep me pushing towards. Then what I really need is I need to find somebody and I need to tether myself to somebody who's been there. Come walk with me. I'll hold your hand. Come walk. Come with me. Yeah, let me walk. Come on, it's all right. That's perfect. I picked you because you're the you're the nicest dressed one in the house. It's good for pictures. What I need is I've never been a 40-year church clerk. I've never built five churches. I've only seen one church actually built. I've never walked where the money wasn't in the bank account. I've never been where we had to pray the next meal on the table. But I need to tether myself to somebody who's been, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, tell me where would I be? I have to tether myself to a cart that's been plowed before by people I've never seen before. Walk with me. Let's go back. I need to tether it. What I need to do is I don't need two people, but what needs to happen is I need to, when I need somebody to come along alongside of the way that I am. Sister Beulah, come here for me. I need people of God to come walk alongside. See, she and I can walk together. Come with me. She and I can walk together. But there's things I've never seen before. There's things I can't understand a lady has been through before. There's I've never had children. I've never had to walk through that. But there are other people who say, honey, let me walk with you a while. Why don't you just walk with me? So when I try to fear, she says, no, honey, you stay with me. What we need is to tether together so that we can get together and get this thing done for Jesus Christ. Christ. So here's what I want. Stay right there. Here's what I want. If you are under the age of 40, I want you to stand over here. Under 40, I want you to come and stand right here beside me. I'm over here. You stay there. You look pretty. You're not 40, but you look good. Under 40, right here. I know, I know it's, we're, we're done. I'm telling you, after this, I'm done. I'm done. Just make a straight line. Stand beside your husband, your wife. If you don't like them, stand by somebody else. Stand right here, boys. Keep coming down. If you're under 40, I don't care. Come here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Well, she gets lost in the crowd. 
put her up front. She'll get lost behind these trees. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I need 11 people that are over 40 to partner up with somebody. I don't care where you are. Come up here. Partner with somebody. I don't care. Find somebody. Hold their hand. I don't care where you are. I already got some here. Just slide down, guys. Just come make a roll all the way down. Find somebody. I don't care who you go. Go pick them out. Pick your own player out. I don't care. Find somebody and grab them. I don't care who you pick. Pick them out. Don't care who they are. Everybody gets a partner. Just pick somebody. I don't care who they are. Pick them. Pick them. Pick them. Pick them. Pick them. Let's go. Where you at? Let's go. Let's go. We're going to do this quickly because I know all you want Gilligans. Here we go. Here we go. Partner, I don't care. There's some, there's some. There you go, Miss Ann, right here. You got it, baby. Leah, you know how this goes. All right, Miss. Uh, right here. Let's let's slide. Nope, right here. We need you back here. We need you back here. Right here. We need one right here. Let's put you right back in this hole. Everybody's got a partner. Partner. Oh, right here. There you go. There you go. We got one right here. Partner. All right. Here we go. You guys come in right here. Now, I understand some of y'all didn't need to pick a partner, but here's what picture I want to paint. If you're over 40, one, two, three, four, five, all the way down. There's going to come a point you can't teach the, teach the teenagers anymore. You won't be able to cut the grass anymore. You won't be able to be the church clerk anymore. You won't be able to be the financial advisors anymore because your health and your well-being won't help you do that. But your replacement's standing beside you. They may not be the next, quote, church clerk, but you don't know who they'll be next. They may be the next song leader. They may the next pastor may be standing in here. The next evangelist may be standing next to you. The next song leader may be standing next to you. We cannot plow separate. We've got to fasten ourselves together because that's the only way we're going to advance the kingdom of God. Now, you stay there. Now, if you're in this house, I want you to stand all over the house, and I want you to grab hands with the person beside you. Maybe you don't have somebody beside you, but that's okay. You can become surrogate prayer warriors. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. We're going to pray with these up here. They're going to hold each other's hands. Now, here's, the, here's what we're going to do. Whoever's hand on my over 40 senior vets, you're going to pray for the person's hand you're holding. Here's what your focus prayer is going to be. God, one day, I don't know who what they'll be, but let them be all that you call them to be. And let them get to the place that one day they can train the next one after them to be where they need to be. Now, all you that are under 40, your prayer is going to be, God, I receive whatever you have for me. And the calling you have on my life, whatever it may be, Lord, here am I. I submit to your hands. Here am I. Use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. So that's all of you that are under 40. You're praying, God, I receive whatever you want me to be. All my older guys, you're praying, God, you let them be all that they are called to be. All of you out here, you're praying, God, for our church. God, let us be what you've called us to be. Let us fasten ourselves together. Let's come together that we can worship the Lord. Let's pray, Father, we love you. We glorify you. We magnify your name. There are men and women that are standing all across this aisle. God, they may be the next leader. They may be the next pastor or singer or evangelist. They might be the next greatest person to ever walk the face of the earth for the kingdom of God. But they don't even realize it yet. God, let us tether together. Let us fashion ourselves together. Let us be with one accord. Let us be the church you called us to be. Let us be the people of God you called us to be. Let us work together until you come. God, let us be used by you. Let our, our faith be more than anthems. Let us be glorified and magnified by the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for every person standing in this line that, God, you would use them in a mighty and a powerful way. Let them come one day, God, to be all that you've called them to be. Father, we know you are great. We know you are majestic. We know you are holy. You are great and greatly to be praised. God, raise up the next generation. Let us plow together until you come again. 
for that we give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name in Christ Jesus our Lord we pray the people of God together said amen oh no say it like you mean it amen let's say it again amen now here's what I want us to do all those that are standing in front all those that are out there that means you're probably either over 40 or you lied and you're under 40 and didn't come up here but can we as a body of believers that are over 40 recognize and honor all those that were under 40 today that we are going to pray for them and believe God's got things for them can we just let them know they're our future and we're going somewhere with Jesus amen God bless you you may be seated real quickly I'm going to ask brother Randy to come pray our benedictory prayer don't forget service tonight at 6 p.m. We'll have our regular service on Wednesday at 7 p.m. We love you. God bless you today. Amen. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and pray.